Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, August 5th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, It is media day for Michigan State football. So depending on what time you listen to this, uh, we may be beginning of media days, middle. I think uh, D'Antonio starts around 2-ish, somewhere in there, 2, 2 2.30 is when it'll all kick off and then there's interviews and things like that. So you're going to be seeing a ton of content today on the internet uh, regarding Media Day and just little roundtable discussions that uh, happen there with different players. So a lot of uh, Media Day content. Uh, you know, like I said, depending on when you're listening to this, you know, there may be something more interesting that I haven't approached yet because I'm recording this here Sunday night. Uh, and if there is, certainly we'll get to it for Tuesday's show. That's the plan right now. I can just go ahead and tease that. Um, I'm heading out tomorrow morning or earlier today, whatever. It's so weird because I record this at different times. I'm going to be in East Lansing. I am in East Lansing right now slash, uh, you know, going to be doing, uh, the media day round. So I'll have some sound and I'll, I'll talk about just uh, different things that I found interesting throughout the media day process. So we'll do that tomorrow. Um, Today, I want to focus on a a couple of things. Chris Solari at the Free Press had a interesting story about Brad Salem. He talked to some people from Augustana uh, State where Salem was the head coach uh, prior to getting to Michigan State. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, And then with that, some expectations of, you know, now that you know, we're getting into camp here. We're going to get, start getting a somewhat better idea maybe of different things. Just as you do more and more interviews, you're talking to the coaches. We have media days, you know, we'll try to find out different things about what we might see from the offense. So I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about, uh, just these expectations, uh, for this season, because I've been thinking about it and it's really, uh, I can't remember being this all over the place. Uh, with how a season might go heading into it. Maybe I was like this after 2012. I don't really remember, uh, you know, maybe that because that was weird. There was like almost no optimism on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they knew we were, bring, we knew we were bringing back a great defense. And so I, I think it was, there's some similarities for sure, but a little bit different. So depending on how long the Salem stuff takes, uh, we'll get to that either at segment two and three or just segment three. You know, like I said, depending on how this first uh, couple of segments go, I'm kind of dragging on here with the intro, so maybe that'll be just segment three. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we're going back to four episodes a week starting this week, so you'll have four episodes this week. We're going to start getting into the schedule, bringing guests in, talking about, uh, you know, what, you know, not necessarily predictions, but like some people will go through the schedule with, we'll do, we'll make a bit of it. Sometimes we'll be serious about it. Sometimes we'll just be having fun with it. Um, but we're really going to start, you know, narrowing the focus and, and talking about specifics as this team, you know, gets ready to play here in just a few weeks. So uh, also over at Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com, we've got the gift tournament, one more day of the regional finals. And then tomorrow, the final four will go up there. Been, uh, you know, getting a lot of page views on that, a lot of votes on the polls. So do that if you want to. Later this week, we will have the mailbag uh, section. I've got a few questions already. 
Uh, would love to add a few more. So email me lockedonspartans at gmail.com or shoot me a tweet at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores if you want to participate in the old mailbag section. So definitely do that. Love taking questions. Uh, if they're MSU questions, great. If they're not MSU questions, uh, that's probably better. I love uh, answering whatever uh, you guys want to send my way. I think mailbags are more fun when they're just kind of all over the place and we'll you know, dip in and out of Michigan State stuff. But if you have non-Michigan State questions or non-college football questions or whatever, random questions, send them my way. But don't ask me if a hot dog is a sandwich because it is not. All right, let's talk about Brad Salem. Okay, so Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press, covers Michigan State. Uh, you guys are familiar with him, familiar with his work. He wrote an interesting story here uh, at the Free Press. It's called, Here's What uh, MSU's Offense Could Look Like Under, quote, brilliant unquote Brad Salem. Uh, I clicked on this because of a, that headline. And then, uh, Solari tweeted it out with the, uh, with football nerd in the quotes, uh, in the little caption that he sent out too. So I was like, okay, uh, if you're going to say something good about Brad Salem, I'm going to click that a hundred times out of a hundred and get jacked up for the season. (laughs) Um, but yes, Solari just wrote, um, uh, about Salem's time in Augustana and what the offense looked like and what the focus was and what he was like as a coach. He talked to former players, uh, former coaches that were around him and just got a good sort of feel of the type of person he is. And we haven't gotten too many insights into Salem yet. Um, I would like 10 articles like this just really getting into, or I would have liked, now that we're kind of at this point, maybe just a couple, but I really enjoyed this because I felt like I got to learn some things about Salem, learn uh, how he thinks. You know, we don't get to talk to assistants a ton with Michigan State. Uh, their, their media availability is limited. Mark D'Antonio is one of the most tight-lipped coaches you are going to find. Uh, and it's very clear, and this is one thing that I found really interesting with the story, it's very clear that there's kind of like this mandate that you're not allowed, the players are not allowed to talk about what's going on in offense. Uh, there's a quote here uh, from Brian Lewerke from the first day of practice. I, I can't get into too much specifics about it, but obviously it's a little bit more up-tempo. I mean, you guys got to see a taste of it in the spring game, so a little bit of that feel. Uh, that, you know, it was really vanilla in the spring game. We did get to see a little bit. Uh, tempo is something that immediately I'm happy about. Uh, I've been saying as long as I've been doing this podcast that one of the easiest things that Michigan State could do to make their life easier on offense is incorporate tempo, whether that's, uh, you know, and it doesn't, I'll say it this way, it doesn't have to be all no huddle really fast, let's go, 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 like uh, Oregon had like the high tempo and NASCAR tempo or, or whatever they called it. And Baylor really relied on crazy tempo. And I don't think you'll ever see that with Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio because of the way they like to play. Uh, It can put your defense into bad spots. And Michigan State's a team that relies on defense to win games. And so I don't, you know, foresee anything like that. But just tweaking tempo, changing it up, uh, drive to drive within drives, run two plays. Get a first, you know, have it on our first drive of the game. We get a first down. We're going to the line really quickly the next play, and we're running this play. Then the next drive, okay, we're going to go slow here. We're going to go fast after the first first down. Then we get another first down. We're going to slow it down. And then on second down, we're going to go fast again. Just things like that. Keeping defenses off balance so they don't always, so they can't get into a routine. That's when 
you know, Michigan State really struggled, and I think you could see it on defenses. It was sort of, it's very routine. They get into a feel, they're very comfortable opposing defenses. They know what's coming, they just have to defeat it. And in that scenario, in order to win on offense when it's like that, you just have to have better players in the right spots all the time to win. And when your offensive line's getting hurt, when your players are in and out of the lineup, uh, you know, when you're behind the sticks, that makes it really tough. Like to continue to keep winning and winning and winning is hard. You can scheme your guys into advantages where they have a 70% chance of winning instead of a 50-50 proposition. And tempo is one of those things that I think can really do that. Can keep defenses, uh, you know, on their heels, having to adjust, not knowing exactly when you're going to get to the line. If you take the play clock down to 15 seconds every single time, the defense knows that, and they know the the coordinators have time to get the calls in. They know okay, they're going to take it down to this time, and then they're going to motion this way, and then they're going to snap it. And I know you guys are watching these games like me. Like There are times where Michigan State's offense is completely just predictable, not in play calls, although they are at that uh, that at times, but just in the way they're operating. Just but but up but up but up It's like an even rhythm to it the entire time, and I don't think that's beneficial. I think you got to be changing things up. It's like a boxer. If you're just jab, jab, right, jab, jab, right, jab, jab, right. It's going to be like three combinations before your opponent picks up on it and counters. Uh, That's why you see boxers moving erratically and shaking and doing different things and moving this way and that way and changing up timing and speed and, and tempo. That's what that's all about. And that's just a simple adjustment that they can do that doesn't change uh, the backbone of the offense. It doesn't change what type of offense you're running. It doesn't change any of the schematics. It's just a pace thing. You can run it up the middle on first and 10 if you want. Get to the line quickly, snap it immediately, and go. Maybe you catch somebody halfway down, you know, not fully in their stance. Maybe the linebacker's looking to the sideline to try to get in a call really quick. Maybe they're trying to sub somebody in and they can't do it and you get a penalty or they have someone who's gassed on the sideline, a D tackle who's been on for five straight plays and is getting tired and they want to sub them out, but they can't because your tempo's too quick. There's a million different ways that tempo can work to your advantage and Michigan State just never really took advantage of it. And so to see that uh, it is really good. And I think we saw a teeny bit of that in the spring game, but it's such a weird thing where they're stopping it. They're resetting the time. They're not really, uh, you know, doing an actual game. They're like, Oh wait, run it back. We want to do that play again. It's still, it's second and 13 now put two minutes back on the clock. It's just not a, an actual game experience. So it's tough to really pull things out of that, but I'm sure you know, just getting out of the huddle quickly, getting to the line, using no huddle, using hand signals, um, you know, that sort of stuff. I think we're going to see more of that with Michigan State this year. And that's already one immediate thing that I think will be beneficial to the offense uh, that we just didn't see at times. And it's a quick, simple, easy change. And I think it can do a lot uh, for an offense that's really struggling to adapt its identity to modern times, right? Alabama, uh, Michigan State and Alabama have the same, exact same identities. Uh, They want to control the ball. They want to run. They want to be incredible on defense. And they want to just boa constrictor you. They want to suffocate you out of a game. And Alabama has done different things to uh, switch it up a little bit on offense. Just tweak things here and there while keeping the same identity. Similar schematics. Yes, they have opened up things. Uh, with different players, you know, they had Jalen Hurts, so they're running the ball more with the quarterback, playing to his strength. But they've done more things, spread it out a little bit more, gone no huddle at times, and then, you know, back to the power game. And just doing little things like that can help teams 
you know, stay, it helps keep defenses off balance. And I think Michigan State could learn a lot from Alabama and how they tweak things. And I'm hopeful that, you know, this change in tempo is just one of a few things that uh, we'll see differently, just little tweaks here and there as Michigan State uh, looks to get much, much better on offense this season. All right, let's take a break right here. We'll continue with this when we get back. A couple other things I want to talk about here, some specifics with Salem uh, as well. Guys, fantasy football season is right around the corner. You Maybe you're drafting here in the next couple of weeks. Maybe you're getting ready for your draft. Either way, if you play fantasy football, you need to listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering the game we all love to play. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you're just the same as everyone else. If we're all listening to the same podcast, we're all getting the same. Get an edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and keep you ahead all season long. Listen to Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. I want to continue on talking about Brad Salem. So, uh, another thing here that uh, interested me uh, as I was reading through, <clears throat> excuse me, this article was some quotes uh, from Salem there from April, but the way they're just sort of stitched into this that, um, you know, with the supporting interviews with different people from Augustana, uh, I thought there was some revealing stuff. So he talks about getting the ball into your playmaker's hands, uh, doing different things with formations and how you line guys up. Um, and you know, just having guys that are ready to line up in the spot. And so there's less thinking and just more playing. Right. Uh, and I really, I liked hearing that in April and I really like the fact that he included formations there because I think it's another way that Michigan state can do different, do things a little bit differently. Um, yet still maintain their identity, do what they want to do and be better. Uh, the LA Rams in the NFL are like the gold standard for this. Uh, although the Patriots do it really well too. Uh, you're lining up guys in different spots and running the same play over and over and over again. And because guys are in different spots, that's going to mean coverage is going to be a little bit different. If you're in man, guys are going to be in different spots. Zone, it's a different person covering them. Uh, you're able to force mismatches that way. And you can just run plays and then pick the spot you want to go to if you have a mismatch with a slow linebacker on a running back who's running some sort of uh, option in breaking route or something like that where they can win with their quickness you see that you can identify it pre-snap and you can go there Um, the Rams and the Patriots and the NFL are like the gold standard for this the Rams will sometimes run the same plays three times in a row Another thing the Rams do really well, and this is something that it's not just the Rams. A lot of places do this really well, but it's really huge, and it's so simple, and it's annoying that people don't do it more, is uh, pre-snap movement. Just shifts, uh, motions, different things so that your, your quarterback can look up when the guy's going in motion or when they're shifting, see how the defenses move, and then... Uh, diagnose coverage based on that and then have an idea of what he's going to see after the snap and how to attack it. That's something that Michigan State doesn't do a ton of, didn't do a ton of last year. Uh, They would shift and they would have some motions. They were usually repetitive motions uh, and they were oftentimes really revealing. You could watch an H-back motion in Michigan State's offense and have a pretty good idea of what the play was going to be, where it was going to go. 
You didn't see a lot of shifting running backs from the backfield out into the slot, uh, bringing them back in so that whoever's on coverage has to show you exactly what they're doing. Uh, and then you have an idea, okay, am I in man? Who's in man? Who might be in zone? Uh, you know, what type of look might I be seeing here? Are we in the best play to beat that type of look? If not, let me get into that type of look. And that's something that in this article, former player for uh, Brad Salem, former quarterback, talked about is that he likes to get it to a point where you, the defense is showing its hand uh, the offense is making the defense dictate what it's going to do, and then the quarterback is there to read that situation and decide, um, should we continue in the play that we're in right now? Are we in the best spot uh, we can, or should we be mo or should we be audibling out of this? And it's just, uh, it's an empowering thing to have a coach who has that philosophy for their quarterback and to know that you have the freedom to sort of make these decisions and then you just run the play. Uh, you get into the spot that is, it, it seems so simple, right? You just get into the spot that's best for the team and then you run the play. But Michigan State just didn't do a lot a lot of that. Um, a lot of reading, you know, is done post-snap in their offense. Uh, diagnosing while you're dropping back, that's difficult to do. Uh, Brian Lewerke at times was hesitant to be a playmaker and I think um, coaches talked about it media talked about it, fans talked about it. There were times where he was certainly overthinking, trying to run the offense as constructed instead of just making a play. And it seems like with a coordinator like Salem or the way he approaches the game, uh, that's not going to be as much of an issue. It's just make the decision you think is the right decision and, and go do it. And I, I really like that mindset. I like that sort of way of thinking about things, not being a crazy control freak. Uh, there's another thing in here, how Salem is not absolutely like latched into his system. It's my system. We're running it and we're running it and we're running it. And that's what we're doing. Uh, he, you know, modifies the system to the talent that he has. He wants to run the football, uh, and whatever he has in terms of, do I have a big physical back? Do I have a really fast quarterback? Do I have a little shiftier guy? How can I make that person, how can I make these people more effective and uh, getting a good run game going and being an effective offense? Uh, his teams at Augustana, uh, one of his teams has the school record for rushing yards in a season, uh, 2,400. They scored 31 rushing uh, touchdowns that season. Uh, he had a team score 80 touchdowns. Uh, which are and had 30 passing touchdowns the, the very next season. So one year they're super run heavy. The next year they're throwing 30 passing touchdowns. Uh, some of the best offenses in their school history. And, you know, it, it's nice that he's got those results, but I just, I'm more like what they say about his process, how he's very uh, calm demeanor, um, has a play calling sort of vibe to him, if that makes sense. Like he just... Um, is very much in control. He's not sort of reacting. He's got this idea of how um, we're going to do this, the play we're going to run next, and he just gets the play in there. Like, here, here you go. This is a, a quote from oh, uh, John Van Dam, uh, who played at MSU and is an offensive quality con control, coach f control coach for Tampa Bay, who is a graduate assistant for Salem at Augustana. Uh, I was very impressed with how calm, cool, and collected he was as far as getting the plays out. There was definitely no stuttering. It was direct, and he knew what he wanted, and he was going to those plays. So that all 
you know, it sounds really nice. And, he, you know, he, he goes on. He's got a knack for calling plays. That's for sure. That's what he's always done. That's what his dad did. And I know that's what he really has a passion for, too. Those are all really good things, really nice things to hear about that. And I just sort of like the vibe that I'm getting from sort of reading these types of articles, uh, going through different media sessions and what we can get from the tea leaves. It seems like Michigan state is still going to be Michigan state. They're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to possess the ball, but it seems like they're now run by a coordinator who has different ways of going about that, who is more creative, more, um, more of a a better football mind, I guess, if you will, in terms of play calling, in terms of designing an offense, uh, sees how things like tempo formations, lining up guys in different spots can have a positive impact on the offense. And so that's got me feeling a little bit optimistic. I don't want to like dive all the way in here, but it seems like Salem might be someone who, while not getting a lot of press or anything like that uh, this offseason, could end up being a really good hire for Michigan State. And he seems like just the way he approaches things is really smart and thoughtful. And I like uh, what I've heard so far. And just the idea that they're talking about tempo, they're talking about formations, they're talking about motions and shifting. Uh, I like to hear that a lot so far. Like I've been saying, I don't think we're going to see major changes here in terms of what they want to do. It's not going to all of a sudden become the run and shoot, right? They're not going to run the Oregon offense. They're not going to run that type of style. They're not going to run the wing back. Um, It's going to be Michigan State, but hopefully it just looks a little different. It's harder to get a read on. Uh, There's some wrinkles here, there, know, an RPO here, an option added onto the back end of this play, a little bit of tempo, some formation changes, some shifts, and I think that could do a lot of good for Michigan State and and get them uh, back on the right path in terms of, modernizing what they want to do uh, on offense. All right, going to sort of take that conversation and shift it into the next conversation as they talk about expectations for this season. I've been kind of all over the place, and I wanted to talk to you guys about that. Guys, you need to check out Locked on NFL. Last week was one of the most listened to NFL shows in all of podcasts. You can get the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, and now it's hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked on NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. I want to talk now about my expectations because I was just kind of thinking about this earlier today. I had the dogs outside, uh, you know, playing around in the backyard and I'm just like, man, what is this season going to be? And maybe you guys are like me. Uh, Maybe you're sitting there having the exact same thought process, but I'm like oscillating between uh, totally reasonable expectations and just completely wild and ridiculous ones. And so, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I've been settled in on this idea that nine or 10 wins is fair. Like Preseason number 20 is a fair spot. That's what we've got in the coaches poll so far. That's kind of what you see is 20 to 25, sometimes unranked, but never really higher than 20 is where Michigan State has been in all these preseason polls. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that's fair. I think looking at their schedule, who they have to play on the road, uh, the fact that they're still in the Big Ten East, got some tough division games for sure. That nine wins, 10 wins maybe uh, is a fair and reasonable expectation. 
Uh, it's a nice bounce back from a seven and six season. If you can get uh, some decent offensive performances, a little bit, you know, maybe we get the idea like, hey, this Salem guy seems to know what he's doing. Uh, things look a little bit better on that side of the ball. Uh, recruiting catches back up to where it should be. Uh, and we're all good, and that's sort of kind of the baseline expectations of what I think you know is a pretty realistic, you know, pretty realistic expectation for Michigan State this season. They're over under in Vegas, pretty much everywhere is is set around eight wins. So going a win over that, maybe two wins over that, uh, totally fair and reasonable expectations. Then I'm looking at this and I'm reading a Brad Salem article, and I'm like, yes, the offense is gonna be better. The offense is gonna be. You know, they'll struggle maybe at the beginning. They'll sort of get their footing, but by midseason, they're going to be humming along. They'll be a top 50 offense, you know, somewhere 50, between 40 and 60, somewhere in there. Not a great offense, but just an okay one that can do some things, not screw everything up. The defense is going to be one of the best in the nation. This team is going 11-1 and in the regular season. They're winning the Big Ten, and they're getting back to the college football playoff. And then at times, I'm like, this is just going to be an absolute disaster. They don't have any running backs. Who knows if the quarterback is totally healthy. If he has his confidence, the offensive line, they're platooning people still. Uh, people are hurt. There's a bunch of guys with starting experience, but we don't really know how good they all are as a unit because we've never seen them as a unit. Tight end was terrible last year. I don't know if that's going to get any better. And it's great to have a good group of receivers. Uh, but no one could get them the ball, and the defense was so good with injuries last season. They have to take a step back. They're not going to be as good this season, even though we think they're going to be as good this season. They lost some really important players. This team's winning four games. Uh, the recruiting's not going to recover, and this is going to be the beginning of the end of the D'Antonio tenure. I'm seriously just like all over the map. That's what I'm doing. I'm going all over the place because I think there's just so many unknowns. Like I just did two segments on an offensive coordinator hire that was the quarterback's coach uh, that we don't know anything about, hasn't called plays in a long time, have no idea how much control he's going to be given, how much he's going to be able to put his stamp on the offense with a bunch of, you know, there's, to be fair, question marks. There's talent, but it's question marks right now. We know Brian Lewerke is talented, but we haven't seen him be good for a while. Yes, he was hurt. When did he get hurt? Was he hurt at the beginning of the season? Was he hurt halfway through the season? And then is the offensive line going to be able to gel and improve like we think that they can? Are we going to find a running back? Is someone going to step up at tight end? Are the special teams going to be better? Like, there's just a lot of question marks. There's a lot of talent, but there's a lot of question marks. And I think there's just a lot of mystery because we don't know what's going to happen on the offensive side of the ball. We have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen on defense. As long as they're healthy, they're going to be really freaking good. We think they'll be okay in the kicking game. As long as Hart Parker's back and healthy, everything should be settled there in punting. Um, so everything should be all right in terms of the, the kicking game. Who knows with returns? Michigan State's had a good returner ever. Um, is Speedy Naylor going to return? Does that make a difference? But we just don't know because there's so much uncertainty. And I just, I don't know if there's been a season heading into the season, you know, three, what are we, three and a half, yeah, three weeks and four days out uh, from the very first game, three and a half weeks. And it's just like, uh, I don't know what to expect. You could tell me both of those. You could tell me all the scenarios that I laid out a couple of minutes ago, all of them, and I would believe them. Uh, there was a ton of talent on the 2016 team uh, that went three and nine. Now, there were leadership issues. There was locker room division. There were a number of other things that played into that, that 
you know, I don't think will happen with this group because of the people, you know, because of Bocce, because of Willikis, because even Lewerke, um, you know, different guys that it seems like they're really set. This seems like a really good group. Uh, whereas, but we didn't know in 2016 that that was going to happen. We thought, yeah, you got Riley Bulla, you got this person and, you know, seniors all over the place, upperclassmen, guys who played a lot. Uh, we didn't foresee that happening. And so things could fall apart quickly if they, after coming off last season, if it's not going well, the defense is playing really well, but the offense can't do anything. Michigan state somehow starts off like one and two, heaven forbid they lose one of those games, uh, early in the season. Yeah, things could get pretty dicey. That's what happened in the 2016 season. Uh, they started off slow. They lost a, a game to BYU, and then it was all downhill from there. And so I would be surprised if that happened, but I wouldn't you know, make it a 0% thing. It's just we've seen it recently. Uh, and with what's going on in offense, like if you get the same offense that Michigan State was at the second half of last season to start this season and it just continues along, you know, some bad breaks here, some bad breaks there, and Michigan State could start off two and three, two and four, and then to your guy, like then you're trying to scramble, you're trying to rally, and sometimes you rally and sometimes you don't. And so, you know, they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna go three and nine. But if they went five and seven, uh, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be dead shocked. If they went eleven and one, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be dead shocked. You know, nine and three, maybe ten and two, maybe eight and four. Uh, but those extremes feel like they're they're really in play because there's just so much unknown and it's hard to I don't know know how to approach the season because Michigan is absolutely puffing their chest out right now um, in in a more extreme way than they've done in a long time it feels like like this is the year where despite only winning ten games under Harbaugh going ten and three repeatedly like this is just the year that Michigan has gotten all the bravado in the world, I should say Michigan fans. Uh, And it's just like the tension and the fights online are kind of crazy. And I just don't know what's going to happen this season. And that's really exciting. Uh, And it's also at times kind of like terrifying, like, oh God, what if it goes wrong again? What's going to happen? So yeah, I'm just kind of all over the place right now. Maybe you guys are like that. Maybe some of you are more confident than I am. Not that I'm not confident. I'm sort of cautiously optimistic right now. But there is a little bit of hope trafficking. Uh, it's not three straight years of results, two straight years of double-digit wins, building on that like it was uh, from 2010 to 2015, where they were just stacking good seasons on top of each other. You know, it's a little bit of hope, a little bit of uh, relying on things that happened three, four years ago to sort of carry the day for Michigan State this season. So uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys. I thought it was an interesting thing that I was kicking around in my head earlier today. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Back tomorrow with uh, all the stuff that I'll be bringing back for Media Day. I'll have some sounds, some thought on some sounds. Um, Probably because the way the things shake out this week, I'll have enough stuff to do some Media Day stuff Tuesday, do some Media Day stuff Wednesday uh, as well, and then probably do a show Thursday, uh, if not Thursday, Friday. Um, Like I said, four shows this week. I'll tell you uh, later in the week what the plan is to finish out the, the schedule this week. So a couple weeks here of four shows and then back to five as we ramp it up for the season. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. And I always appreciate people who take time to go over to iTunes, give a five-star rating, leave a review. 
If you want to do that, please do that. If you have a mailbag question, mailbag later this week, email me lockedonspartans at gmail.com or tweet at me at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores. Thanks again for listening. Until tomorrow, go green.